Hello and welcome to another edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Bubba, today uh, we have an incredible story that I, I think you and I are going to get to just for the most of it sit back and listen to this incredible journey. And I know you, having a father who served um, our country in World War II, I, I, sadly, I think too many times uh, we forget uh, what it takes to continue to experience the freedoms that we have. Yeah, freedom, uh, we talk about the cost of freedom. It's uh, freedom, and it's very ironic, is not free. It actually has a cost, and it has yep. to be renewed constantly, and uh, we'll learn a little bit about that today. Well, I want, I want to introduce you uh, to our guests this week, Paige and, and Josh Wetzel. Uh, Paige and Josh, welcome to Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Thank thanks you. for having us. Yeah, and thanks for taking time. Now, Paige has written a book, Beautifully Broken. It will officially uh, be out on October the 13th, but you can pre-order it now, and uh, we'll tell you how you can do that. Uh, but this story, um, because we, we, we talk on the show all the time how the, the number one earthly relationship, according to our creator, the, the one that he holds above all other earthly relationships, is a relationship between a man and a woman in marriage, the husband and the wife. It's a beautiful thing. It is beautiful, and uh, it is designed uh, to uh, uh, to make uh, both people in that relationship better people, and it's designed for them to uh, uh, be a whole person. Now, we say that, and everybody's watching this or listening to it going, yeah, we get that, but but then when that, that uh, marriage is put uh, in the hot box, it, it pressure's put on it, and all these things that we say we'll do, you know, on our wedding day. And then you actually have to do them. So, Paige, Josh, uh, whichever one of you want to start. First of all, Josh, let's talk about uh, your story uh, of what happened to you while serving our country in Afghanistan. And then we'll kind of roll from there. Okay. Um, so, I, um, I was with 2nd Infantry Division out of Fort Lewis, Washington in the Army. Um, and we deployed to, um, Afghanistan in March of 2012. Um, and where the area where we were was, um, right outside of Kandahar, um, in Kandahar, Afghanistan is essentially where, um, the, the Taliban, um, started, um, that was the birthplace of the Taliban. And that was when the Russians were in, um, Afghanistan. And so that's a very, um, religious place for them. And it's very, um, it's very hotly contested, I guess. Um, and so we deployed, um, a little bit West of Kandahar to, um, a little village, uh, called Mushan. Um, and it was right on the main supply route from, um, Pakistan to Kandahar. Um, so, um, every time, you know, we left the, the base, um, we, you know, we caught a lot of fire, whether it was uh, small arms fire, like somebody was shooting at us, or um, we were finding and clearing um, improvised explosive devices, um, which is essentially usually like a pressure plate bomb um, that when you step on it, it completes the circuit that's connected to the bomb and it explodes. Um, and so that was our main threat was the IEDs. Um, and so when we got there, we had to drastically change our um, tactics up. Um, you know, usually in the army, you're spread out, um, where it's not easily, you're not easily engaged, um, where, um, you know, when we got there, we had to essentially walk like ducks in a row behind a metal detector everywhere we went. Mm. Um, and, um, early on in the deployment, we got a few, um, of our strikers blown up. We were a striker brigade, which is a, like an eight wheeled vehicle. And, 
Um, it's heavily armored, but when it comes to bombs, they don't, they don't do real well. Um, and so we got a few of them blown up right off the bat. Got a couple of guys injured, not severely, um, just, you know, some, some uh, traumatic brain injuries and um, some other, you know, small wounds. And um, so we decided as uh, team leaders, I was a team leader at the time, and um, that we needed to do something about that and really step up. And, um, you know, at the time, you know, when we first got there, we trusted our lower enlisted guys with the metal detector. Um, and, um, you know, we decided at that that time that we needed to take that over and that become our responsibility and we would lead from the front. Um, and that became my main responsibility. Um, and contrary to popular belief, like I was pretty good at finding them um, and clearing them. I'd found um, over 30 something IEDs during my time in Afghanistan. So I was only there from March to May. Um, and uh, I was pretty good at it. And, you know, in, in sports, you know, if you go 30 and one, um, that'll get you in the hall of fame, um, in the army in Afghanistan, that'll get you some metal legs. Wow. Um, and, <laughs> and, uh, so, um, you know, on late in May, we got a, um, we got a, you know, a mission to, um, we were going to clear from the East side of our, our area of operations all the way to the West side, um, and from North to South, um, on a line. And, um, you know, it was going to be a big three-day mission. And um, we were doing really well. We were clearing really fast. We were ahead of our schedule. Um, and on May the 31st, um, it was about 117 degrees um, in Afghanistan. And it was really hot. And we had some guys that were struggling. So we had to um, switch things up in our, in our formation a little bit and move some guys around. And um, we were moving along. And I was clearing with my metal detector. And um, we came to a, a dirt road and as we came up to it, I noticed there were two lines of rocks, um, on the road, which usually, um, lets us know that there's an IED in the area because the, they like to warn the locals that it's there. So the locals will stay away. Um, we just didn't know exactly where it was. So, um, uh, ready back, radio back to my platoon sergeant and let him know like, Hey, I'm going to take my time across this road, really clear it good and mark it so everybody knows where to go and we're just going to continue on and he was like all right good and so we did that cleared it really good and um, walked across the field and we were headed up to a wall with a low place in it um, and we had had a lot of success going to those low places in the wall um, tactically you don't want to do that because um, usually that's where the the bad guys are going to bury the IEDs um, but we had had so much luck finding and clearing the IEDs that we just started going to the low places in the wall and targeting those. So we could just go ahead and clear it and get everything safe. So as we approached this wall, we went to the low place in the wall and we were going to, we were just going to um, clear whatever was there and then continue on. And so I cleared in front of the wall as good as I could. And then as I um, reached to the other side, I um, to clear the other side is when I stepped on mm. the IED um, instantly losing both of my legs um mm. you know come to find out later um i was kind of mad when when i landed on the ground that i i missed it but come to find out later on that it was uh, mostly uh, carbon-based ied so my metal detector couldn't have picked it up mm. um and um you know i landed on the ground i i knew what had happened as soon as uh, as soon as i landed um i had watched a guy do it the day before and he was a pretty high double amputee and so 
I didn't have to look at that to, to know that I didn't have legs. But honestly, like my first thought when it happened was like, I've got to figure out how to calm my medic down. And my medic was my best friend. Um, and he um, normally in, in real life, everyday life, he's a shaky guy. Um, and you could imagine watching your best friend step on an IED um, and being pretty severely injured, like you're going to be a little more shaky. Um, so I figured I, I, I had to figure out how to calm him down, you know. Um, and so as soon as he got to me, um, you know, my first thought was like, all right, bro, like we're going to get through this, settle down. And then he's still trying to work on me and everything. And, um, you know, I, I stopped him again and I was like, hey, man did you see that sick flip that I just did? (laughs) And uh, he didn't want to hear that. But like, I was just like, bro, seriously, I would have landed that if I had feet. He was like, how'd you know you you didn't have feet? And I was like, well, you just answered the question for me. So thank you. Oh, wow. We're going to make it through this, you know? And uh, so, yeah, that's. Wow. So then. That's how the that's how the injury in the line of duty took place. Uh, We're going to continue to talk. uh, And now we'll bring Paige into this, uh, which uh, is is the the story in the book of, of what it is like to be the wife uh, in this situation as well. When Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues. All right, so we're talking with Paige and Josh Wetzel, and and Josh, you you just walked us through how you serving our country. Um, now you you lost your legs in and you were trying to calm your friend. You knew enough about these weapons, and you said you knew instantaneous. Uh, in, instantaneously that you likely had lost all of your legs or at least some of it. You knew that immediately, right? Right. And, and so the medic comes to you and, and then we, we go over to, to page uh, and page. Welcome to Rick and Bubba university, the podcast again. So you're in the position of the wife of, of a man who, who serves our country. He goes off to Afghanistan. Just the sound of that, you know, that is not a, a calm place. Uh, when you guys were married, uh, did you consider this when, when uh, you guys were thinking about being married, that you would take on a role that requires a special kind of woman uh, to be a military uh, wife? Uh, t- take us through your thought process with that. Uh, well, Josh's Army career was a huge um, maturing process for me. Um, we dated all through college and um, – you know, we were that typical, like things were real easy because we were just around each other all the time. You know, Josh, uh, like I played volleyball at Jacksonville state and he came to every single home game and we were just around each other all the time. And when he joined the army, um, I was extremely proud of him, but still kind of, um, it was very much this, um, mission to kind of work my goals and, my vision for myself around this army career and um, the army will correct that really quick. (laughs) And so um, he, he went off to basic training um, and we did basic training is not even like this anymore, but it was truly like, you don't speak to each other. You have to write letters back and forth. And so he uh, went through three months of basic training where we didn't even hear each other's voices or anything. And, um, and I just told him, I was like, we, either need to break up or get married because this is just too much of a commitment, you know? And so we really started pushing forward to like making that life plan together. And at first Josh started out as an 18 X-ray, which is 
basically a candidate for special forces. And he had been in the special forces qualification course for about a year. And um, he uh, ended up washing out of that program. And my mindset at that point was kind of like, okay, Josh is going to do this um, special operations thing. And we're going to be at Fort Bragg, North Carolina for X amount of years. And I'll be able to do X, Y, and Z during those years. Well, then um, when the army sent him to this infantry unit, that was my big wake up call to this is not only an infantry unit, but it's a unit that's about to go to Afghanistan. And um, that's the whole reason he's even going there because they are about to deploy. And um, it was a real, uh, before I could ever think of myself as handling my life as a military wife well, uh, I really had to go through this very painful process of just letting go and um, learning how to just um, appreciate what Josh was doing. And it's, it's funny because when you look back on the things that you learn, you're kind of like, man, how did I even think that in the first place? But it was almost like it dawned on me one day that no matter how inconvenienced I was going to be, I was not deploying. I was not going to like risk my life every day at my job, you know? And so when I really started just thinking about how Josh was processing all of this and how he was, you know, having to deal with the crazy like pre-deployment cycle where you're just training around the clock and um, you don't ever know what time you're getting home and that kind of thing. Um, when I really just tried to be there for him in that way, uh, it calmed me, um, but I think it really, um, I think if I had not at least pushed myself to, to be that way, then the day he shipped off to Afghanistan, I really would have been in this like bitter place instead of being in the place of, you know, like, Hey, this, everything, I don't know what's going to go on over there, but everything back home is going to be okay. So you don't worry about what's going on here. You have a job to do. You stay focused on that job. So, Josh, after your accident, how, how, what, what happens after that? What's the process? Um, yeah, so um, after I got injured, as soon as I got injured, they called the helicopter in. The helicopter took me from, uh, from where I was at to Kandahar. Um, and somewhere in Kandahar, um, that, that's kind of where I lost consciousness. Um, and then I went from Kandahar, I think, to Bagram, and then from Bagram to Germany. Um, and then Germany to Walter Reed Hospital in Bethesda, Maryland. So in the process of kind of losing conscience, uh, conscious, you, you're there, you're in the, the helicopter, you know what's happened, you know you're injured, you know you're injured badly. And, mm -hmm. and, and I know this may be a difficult question because it may be hard to recall, but I can't help but be, be this. We're trying to vicariously be there and glad we're not at the same time. Right. What, what are you thinking? Are you thinking uh, – could I bleed to death? Uh, am I going to make it? Does does Paige obviously jumps into your mind? What what's your thought process while you were conscious? Uh, not not obviously can't do anything about what you don't remember, but what do you remember of what are you thinking in your mind when you know you're hurt bad? Right. Um, honestly, for me, um, I think I think God really blessed me in this way, but I don't have like a healthy fear of anything at all. Um, like when I was a kid. 
Like if you think of old Yeller and you look at Hollis, like that was my life as a kid, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and then as I got older, like I was a thrill seeker. Um, and so, you know, climbing up on the roof, climbing on everything that I could, jumping off of the roof if I needed to, you know, like, like I lived life on the edge, you know, and uh, jumping out of planes when I got into the military was right down my alley. Um, and so I, I never feared dying ever. Um, I, like when I, when I was laying there on the ground, like my immediate thoughts went to my, to my medic, um, to calm him down. And then I was thinking like, man, Paige is really going to be mad at me about this. <laughs> I told her like, I was going to come back. Okay. And everything, you know, and here I am done, lost my legs and she's going to be angry. Um, and then, you know, while I was on the helicopter, I had, uh, there was this incident on the ground where they gave me a fentanyl lollipop and I hate the flavor grape and they gave me the grape one and I refused to put it in my mouth and wow. rubbed it in the dirt. And I knew they weren't going to do that. Um, and I couldn't have morphine. So there was no like pain relief at all. And so on the flight back to the, he to, uh, Kandahar, really, honestly, all I could think about was like, all right, this is starting to suck a little bit and <laughs> not be as fun. Um, but um, you know, honestly, I just, I never feared dying or anything. Like from that moment, it was all about getting better and getting back to normal life. So yeah. when you get back stateside, how, how long is it before you see Paige and, yeah. and how, how does your, your treatment start and, and how Paige, do you get to visit him? Do you go to DC? How does that work? Uh, yeah, that was by far the worst, like five days of my life. Um, it, so I got the phone call about Josh at about 6.30 in the morning Pacific time on May 31st. And it's kind of questionable whether, um, just with the time difference, because Afghanistan, that was about a 13-hour difference. So I wasn't sure, you know, if his injury was on the 30th, like in the United States or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. But um, so from the time of injury to the time he was in Washington, D.C., um, or Bethesda um, was five days. But um, what was hard about it was number one, I was getting phone calls from someone and this took me like three or four phone calls to understand this, but I was talking to someone that had no idea like what condition Josh was actually in. This was like someone in like Quantico, Virginia calling mm -hmm. me. And so I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, so how do I get in touch with somebody that has actually worked on him or seen him or whatever? And of course they didn't have that information and they were just kind of giving me things two or three hours at a time as they got updates. And so, um, so with Josh's mother being a nurse, she was like, okay, I want you to ask his doctors these questions. And it was a list of just 10 questions of how, uh, intubated he was, was he responding when you talked to him, things like that. And so if it hadn't been for her, I really wouldn't have known a whole lot about how he was doing. Um, but then when he got to Germany, um, the whole issue was getting him across the ocean with, um, it, to keep him stable, you know, and the problem was he had inhaled so much um debris from the explosion mm. um that he literally the doctor that i talked to said that he didn't have the lung capacity to like blow out a birthday candle and so obviously you get at thirty thousand feet and that could really 
mean mm -hmm. big trouble for someone. And so this is the point where Kathy, his mother, ended up going to Germany. I didn't have a passport at the time, um, but she did. And she ended up going to Germany. And I was kind of disappointed about that, obviously. But um, because she is a nurse and because she's done 100 breathing treatments on 100 patients in her career, um, she really buckled down with Josh for the for. I mean, it was probably what 14 hours, probably. It was awful. <laughs> but um, here, come, here comes mama. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she made him do those breathing treatments and just get all that debris out of his lungs. And, um, and I just couldn't imagine that like, that's your child, you know, but she was able to just switch to like, this is my patient. I've got to help this patient because the consequence was if we didn't get Josh on the flight the next evening, then it would be another week before he could come back to the U.S. And so she she got that done um, for our whole family. And so when I when she got his name on that flight manifest, that's when I flew myself to D.C. to meet up with him. We'll come back and talk more about the, that moment when you guys finally are together when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, continues. Gabby Insurance, uh, Bubba, isn't it fun getting all the emails of people saying, I, I, I found out I really was paying too much uh, for <laughs> automobile and, and homeowners? You never and know. And they seem surprised. But you, it's one of these things you just want to get off your plate. Uh, but now, to make it easy, but I don't like paying more for something than I, than I no, need to. No. So what we do, if you'll go right now to Gabby.com slash Rick Bubba, Gabby.com, that's G-A-B-I dot slash Rick Bubba, here's what happens. You enter some of your insurance uh, information, and we've done it. It only takes a few minutes. And before you know it, and this is no charge to you, it doesn't cost you anything, and they won't sell your information, you get 40 of the top insurance providers, progressive, nationwide, travelers, you know, farmers, they all come up, and they say, here's what we would charge you for the exact same coverage that you already have. If it's less, Bubba? That's a good thing. That's right. And if it's not less, well, we're at a good thing again. Because you know that you've already got the best insurance coverage you, you could find. So you there's no need to overpay. People saving an average of $825 a year, uh, and you, you can't find savings like uh, like they did for all, everybody out there. And if they don't, then you just stay where you are. But, boy, I'm going to tell you, there's people that are even giving more than that. We've had some people say that they're saving thousands of dollars. Uh, so go to gabbygabi.com slash rickbubba and uh, see what they can do for you right now. All right, so we are with uh, Paige and Josh Wetzel. The book is beautifully broken. It, it comes out on October the 13th, but you can get it now uh, by going to their website, pageandjoshwetzel, W-E-T-Z-E-L.com for pre-orders. And uh, everything you need to know about the book can be found at their website. So when uh, we were talking to you, Paige, now you finally have made it to the same place uh, where your husband is located. You know he's been injured. At this time, do you already know that he has lost his legs? Do you know this at this point? Yes. Um, I actually received that information on the initial call. Okay. Um, the uh, person that was working with the Department of the Army that, that called me said that um, he had lost both legs, he had two broken arms, and he had a C4 break in his neck. Mm. Um, and so there, there wasn't a break in his neck, um, but they, I think, I don't know if it was some kind of, x-ray image that might have alluded to that um but i think just the way he kind of landed on his head <laughs> would have um maybe at least made people suspect that but 
he also didn't have broken arms either. His, his hand, his left hand was very badly um, wounded. He had um, some amputated, uh, partially amputated fingers that they were able to like reattach. Um, and then his right arm was, um, he had a huge spot that ended up needing a skin graft later um, where it just kind of took a bunch of muscle and tissue out of that part. But it was hard to kind of get an accurate reading with all of that going on, I think. But, um, but yeah, I knew that initially. So when you get there, there he is. Josh, either one of you can talk yeah. about what's that first meeting. Like? Let's talk about that first meeting. Take us there. Yeah. So, um, I was, I was awake when she got there and, um, I had, I'd probably been there for maybe 10 minutes. Um, I, I don't know. I was on a lot of drugs, but, um, as long as it wasn't grape flavored. Yeah. Hey, Mm -hmm. by the way, when you're laying there with no legs, come off the grape thing. (laughs) I mean, to just get some relief Just for a minute. Yeah. 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 Honestly, like it was, I was trying to get to prove a point to my medic and I feel like I accomplished that. Like he told me when I didn't do, when I rubbed it in the dirt, like I was going to regret it. And he didn't, he still doesn't know that I regretted it. So (laughs) don't tell him. All right, so um, back to the hospital. Okay, I got <laughs> I just saw Paige shaking her head when you said you didn't like the flavor grape. But go that's ahead. Like, that's like when little kids pee their own pants and they think they're teaching their parents something. Yeah. <laughs> you know? that's and a good like, my pants are dry. I didn't learn anything. You didn't you teach know? me anything. <laughs> right. All right. Anyway, so I'm laying there in my bed and she comes walking in and uh, I just start getting like really emotional. Yeah. I'm a really emotional guy already, but like, you know, after my injury, my testosterone was really low and I was just like a baby all the time, cried about everything. And I saw her, I started crying and she was like, what, wait a minute, why are you crying right now? And, uh, I was just like, you know, I I went to Afghanistan and I I lost my legs and, um, you know, Paige being the awesome person that she is, um, you know, really kind of got things going on the right track for this recovery. And, Uh, When she said, uh, you know, honestly, like we know where they're at. We're just not going to go back and get them. (laughs) (laughs) I I started laughing at that point and we hugged and uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of cool. Paige, did you sense, you know, this is here, here, here's marriage that this, (laughs) this is the things you say that you're committed to. Obviously by what you were saying, had you already, were you prayed up and, and you said, I've got a job to do. Did you feel like you were, starting your job it's time for me to help my husband get get to the other side of this yeah i um you know the c4 break in his neck was something that really scared me um because that's paralysis for the most part and i just thought like he's never going to walk again anyway you know so i i really had to carry that for about three days waiting on him to get get to walter reed and so in that three days um his medic reached out to me and was just kind of saying that, um, you know, he told me the story about like the sick flip that I just did and joking around and all that kind of stuff. And that was just such a relief for me because I just thought that he's never going to be the same emotionally, you know? And so when I knew that I was getting the same person back, I was like, okay, we'll, we'll figure the rest out later. But, um, but yeah, I think Josh is real, his thing was he needed to know, and this is, uh, I, I think a lot of men struggle with this, but especially men in the military, but 
Um, what they need to hear over and over and over is that you did not let anybody down by this happening. This happened to you. You know what I mean? And um, you're just so trained to like, uh, you're supposed to see that stuff coming all the time. And, um, and that's just, that's not real life, you know? And um, so I really wanted him to know that, um, again, it was kind of going back to how I tried to be before I sent him to Afghanistan that, like, I'm going to be okay. I'm not upset. I'm, you know, this is day one of recovery. And obviously we had, just like you're saying with uh, your marriage vows, like you stand up there at the altar and you have no idea what you're promising. No, <laughs> you no. yeah. um, but, but you stick with it. And, um, and so that was a, that was one of those things where I could tell what Josh really needed from me was that this, us, this is going to be fine. You know, this is not going to be the obstacle. This is not going to be the thing that, that, um, tears us apart. So, um, let's worry about getting you healthy and keeping our mind on what's going on with you physically. Don't worry about what's going on between us. So I know I, I can't imagine what recovery like this, what you guys must go through, not only physically, but, but, you know, emotionally T- talk to us about that. Did it, did it go as planned or were there pitfalls along the way? Um, you know, I was honestly, I was very blessed. Um, first of all, to be at Walter Reed hospital. Um, it's an amazing hospital, especially for amputees. And, um, you know, it's, I was there with, um, you know, hundreds of other guys that were in the same situation that I was. So, um, emotionally, like I felt like I was in a good place because of that, you know, um, one of the early days, um, you know, I'd been struggling with pain early on, um, very early on. And um, just because I just didn't like I didn't feel like I would be able to take like um, specific medicines. Like I just didn't I, in my mind, I was worried about like getting addicted and all that. So I just didn't want to do it. And, um, and I had another double amputee um, from from northeast Alabama come in and um, you know, he was like, Hey, listen, um, first of all, you're not alone in this. Um, there are a lot of other, you know, there's a big group of us here. And so you're not alone. And also, uh, don't be a hero. Like when you're, when your um, nurses and everything tell you to stay on top of your pain medication, like do that, because if you don't stay on top of it, it's going to catch up to you. And so, um, that was big for me. And then, um, you know, from, from the moment I got there, it was all about like getting better and getting back on my feet. You know, I, uh, my, my, uh, one of my big concerns was, um, you know, my guys back in Afghanistan, they were still there and they still had a really big mission, um, to, to finish. And they were going to be there for like six more months. And I didn't want them to have to worry about me at all. And so, um, everything that we did, um, that, you know, was outward facing towards the public was all, you know, like it's all Josh improving and getting better and, and everything like that. And for the most part, you know, like I, I didn't struggle with that. Like I have a reputation at Walter Reed now, like Josh Wetzel goes hard in the paint. Um, (laughs) And that's because I do, you know, like I, I'm going to give it everything that I have in that situation to get better, you know, and, um, you know, I'll give you an example during PT one day, you know, I was doing great and I got back to my room and I was just exhausted for like two straight days and turned out I needed, you know, a blood transfusion. I needed like three units of blood and 
you know, I just, it didn't phase me, you know, I was just really tired. And, um, but so my mission was to get better, you know, and, um, you know, there were some, you know, stumbling blocks along the way. I had a, you know, an, an infection that I had to go back to the ICU, which, um, for me was just, I mean, at the time it was devastating. Like I didn't, I'm not all about this setback life. So, you know, at that point, like I was just really working hard to get better. And then, um, I think the biggest things was the, uh, like mental issues and, and things that were going on between our marriage. Um, you know, you think that losing your legs is, is the hardest thing that, um, you have going on, but then the devil really starts attacking you even more to try and take you into an even darker place. And, um, you know, and he really did that at that time, you know, it seemed like everything was as falling apart at once, you know, I was struggling with like nightmares and, and things like that from Afghanistan. And then, um, you know, things I had done in Afghanistan that kind of came between mine and Paige's marriage really came to light during that time in the hospital. And so, um, you know, it just kind of felt like everything was coming, uh, falling apart, but honestly, like it was great. Um, for us and for our marriage, because we really, you know, worked a lot of things out and, and grew together as a couple. You know, it wasn't just me recovering at that point. It was both of us getting through this and, and going back to normal life. We're going to continue to talk with Paige and Josh Wetzel. Again, uh, the book is called Beautifully Broken. We come out, we'll talk to Paige, uh, really get specific about the book, uh, what, uh, what she hopes um, is accomplished, and we'll continue our conversation with them. Uh, this is Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. So uh, we're talking with Paige and Josh Wetzel. The The book is beautifully broken. We, we, if you've, you've been listening, you know the story. Josh served our country uh, in Afghanistan, unfortunately uh, lost both his legs, had other injuries. He's recovering, and Walter Reed, his wife, is there with him. Uh, they're starting the process of recovery. And, and Paige, you have written the book, uh, Beautifully Broken. It comes out on October the 13th. Pre-orders are available now. We have that website, Paige and Josh Wetzel, W-E-T-Z-E-L dot com. And uh, you can go there and find out how to follow them on social media and everything. So um, I remember when um, when my wife and I went through trauma to a marriage, ours, uh, the death of, uh, of our youngest son and child. And, and I remember something that was said to us that wasn't true. And, Josh, you were talking about how the adversary continues to – try to find a way in, especially in these times of trauma, because uh, it's refinement. And uh, you both, right, I have a right, you're people of faith, followers of Christ, so, uh, so you're, you're Christians, uh, based on what I'm seeing in the book and what you guys have said. Um, and I remember someone said, well, now look, I just want to tell you, you know, most marriages don't survive this kind of thing. And, uh, and I remember thinking, what a, what a comforting thing, thing to say to people <laughs> struggling. And, uh, and, and that, that has been a... I don't know where this came from. And, you know, Sherry immediately, of course, uh, like you, Paige, she was like, well, I'm going to look into that and see if that's just not a bunch of garbage. And come to find out it is a bunch of garbage. That's actually not a true statement. Uh, what what usually happens is the state of the marriage is revealed right. by, by the trauma. It's either a strong marriage gets even stronger, and a marriage that was already not very strong usually doesn't. What was your, you guys' experience with this? I would say that we just, we were very much the typical immature army couple. You know, we were 
we truly, I mean, we, we had known each other for a long time. We had dated for about four years, but, um, you know, what was tough about it is when you're in the military, um, even if you do have a super healthy marriage and a very candid marriage, um, the military spouse always has lived this like double life. You know, there are just things they cannot tell you for their security and your security. Um, and then there are things that, um, you know, I'm, I fully believe there are things that happened in Afghanistan that Josh was part of that I'll never know about. And that's okay, you know. Um, but I think what really was um, revealed in us was just kind of this, um, we, there were, um, the physical aspect of things had a way of kind of slowly slowing things down. Like it kind of, it, it had the ability to kind of ruin the day or ruin the weekend or whatever, but the personal and emotional stuff, it was like slamming on the brakes, you know, and it was almost, it, it just really showed the importance of how you really have to tackle that stuff before it tackles you. Yeah. And, um, and so we found ourselves kind of, um, we're trying to meet these expectations with Josh's physical therapy. And obviously he's still going to surgeries three days a week and that kind of thing. And then whenever Josh is uh, sobered enough off of his medicine and come off of anesthesia um, and whenever he can keep his eyes open, we have to talk about these super tough issues, whether it was things that I was noticing about his behavior, like, Hey, I think, I think you're having some issues with this. Like, you're waking me up at night screaming in my face. Mm -hmm. You know, that is something we need to address, you know, or um, just things where we had, you know, just the, the difficulty of going from, we are, we've been in two different continents to now we are in a hospital room, a, you know, a 10 foot by 10 foot room, 24 hours a day. And, um, and so you really, uh, you learn a lot, but just like you, we received that information of that, um, you know, well, it, it's almost like people are trying to be like, it's okay if you can't do this, no, you're right. you know, yeah. and I get, I get where that comes from, but what you need is somebody coming alongside you and saying, it's like that Esther 414, you know, like you were born for such a time as this, you know, like this is, this is something that you are in the right place at the right time and don't even fool with those thoughts of like, how, where's the back door? How can I get out of this? You know? And I really think there's so many, there are so many marriages that are, you know, they do turn toxic in environments like that. And, and it's understandable when people part ways. Um, but there, I, I just can't help but wonder how many of those marriages end up that way because both parties kind of have this whole, like, I got to have an escape plan to right. this, you know, and, and the times in our marriage where we kind of flirted with that, like, I gotta, I gotta have an escape route or whatever. Those are some of the most miserable times <laughs> in our life. And so um, we have just fully rebuked that, <laughs> you Amen. know, that's not even something we talk about anymore. Um, but we really had to have our like, you know, backs against the wall to make that decision. So Josh, how, how are you doing now? Where, where are we at now on recovery? Um, 
Well, so now, you know, I, you know, I got out of the military in 2014, um, got my degree from Auburn, never thought I would get any kind of degree because school wasn't really for me. Um, but, you know, military gave me the discipline <laughs> I needed to get through that. And so I graduated from Auburn in 2016, um, got hired on um, in the communications department um, as an intern for a year and then um, got hired on in social media um, the next year and just been kind of running, um, social media and athletics for a few years now. And, um, absolutely love it. And, um, you know, we, uh, you know, we're starting to find, um, during this COVID time, you know, it's really kind of grinded everything to a halt for us. And, um, you know, it's really given us time to kind of reevaluate things and like what we're doing with our life and, um, we've really been kind of seeking like what's that next step and, mm -hmm. and what's God's purpose for this moment, you know, and, um, you know, God's really been revealing that, you know, we need to um, be back in the military community and, and, and serve the military community. Um, and I think that's a, that's a kind of something that was missing in my life and a kind of a hole in my life a little bit was, um, you know, I was very, um, you know, faithful. I, you know, I believed that God was working in my life, but I never, put that into action and, and served others. And I really think that God, you know, calls us to serve others. And uh, matter of fact, we're going through the book of James at church right now. And it talks about, you know, faith without deeds is dead, you know? And so, you know, we're really starting to get back into that military community and work to, to serve the military community as, as best we can and starting to find, um, you know, true purpose and all of that. Josh, what was it tough when you were kind of a, uh, you, you know, you were a hands-on guy out there in the military looking for explosive devices to, to hanging out with a bunch of guys that, that dealt with Twitter. That had to kind of be a <laughs> – I mean, that, that's a different side of you, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I love sports. I grew up playing sports. I played, you know, about a year and a half of college baseball and junior college. And, um, you know, I knew that, you know, I had a good opportunity to kind of get into what I wanted to do when I got out of the military. And so uh, – you know, just tried to volunteer everywhere I could, uh, jumping in sports and, and honestly, like talking about sports on Twitter just became, you know, like second nature to me. I love it because, you know, social media always changes. So it's keeping me busy. And then, um, you know, it's just so fast that mm -hmm. it's so fast paced that, you know, it's, it's fun and exciting for me as well. So with the book beautifully broken and uh, coming out October the 13th and, uh, we've got, we've got about two minutes. What what do what do you hope people take away from the book? What, what if, if I go get the book? What are you hoping I take away? I take away from it. I would say, um, you know, when I first got out of the army, I really struggled um, because I kind of lost that sense of community. Um, you know, when you're in the army, they teach you to always have a battle buddy everywhere you go. You always should have your weapon and your battle buddy anywhere you go, and that's just to have somebody to pick you up when you fall or somebody to have your back when things get bad and. Um, I lost that when I got out of the military and really got in a dark place. And, you know, thank God for my wife because, you know, she really, she tricked me into getting in the small groups and, um, <laughs> you know, I really found that community again. And it's just been huge for my life to find that, that community and other men um, that are struggling through the same things that I'm struggling with. So um, communities, um, you know, a, a really big thing. And then, um, you know, I, I would say, um, you know, find, you know, in, in, right off the bat in the book of James, it talks about, you know, find joy um, in times, um, 
through many trials or whatever. And um, I, I think that's a huge part of this, honestly, because in the moment it's hard to, it's hard to see that. Right. But, you know, when you get through that, you know, I would really encourage people to like look back on that moment and, and see like what God was doing in that moment and where it's taking you next, you know? Well, it, it, we're excited about the book coming out. I love the title, Beautifully Broken, mm-hmm. and uh, it's true. It's not a it's not a fun process, uh, but if we uh, learn what, what God is trying to teach us through suffering and brokenness, it can turn out to be quite beautiful. So, uh, yeah, thanks to both of you, Paige and Josh Wetzel, for being with us. Again, if you want to get the book, you can pre-order now by going to pageandjoshwetzel.com. It'll be available uh, where books are sold, and they'll start shipping those to you on October the 13th. So thank you guys so much for being with us today, and thanks to all of you for watching and or listening to this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast.